Hey everybody, this is Chris. Just a warning that this week's show contains detailed descriptions of sexual violence, which are central to both of the films this week. So if that's triggering to you, please, please don't continue listening. Should I say it a different show? Should I say, should I not encourage people to not listen to the episode? Welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Chris Chafin. Welcome to I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Shively. I love that it's just developed into us each separately doing our own introductions to the show. Uh, it's the in, Yours is the intro to my intro. <laughs> so I'm like opening for you. Like you're the headline opener. I think I'm the sub-headliner or like the intravenous headliner the intravenous headliner yeah um because you love needles is that yeah. why it's like when green day comes on stage and then they're just blank 182 <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about but you uh the listener are listening to actually best choice movies the world's only movie podcast it's a place where we talk about two movies every week one of them's a new movie one of them's an old movie what unites them they're good also some other crap we'll tell you about Hey, you heard of movies? Oh, yeah. You heard of good movies? Now you're here, and that's our podcast. (laughs) I couldn't have put it better myself. Uh, So this week, we're going to be talking about two films, like I just said. One of them is this year's The Nightingale, and the other one is 2017. Is that right? Uh, It was released stateside in 2018. Okay. Yeah, film festivalized 17. Let's say 17, 18. It's called uh, Revenge. That's all this week on Actually Best Choice Movies. Best Choice Movies. But before we get to any of that, Caleb, what have you been watching this week, dog? Well, we've had a little bit extended stay, uh, more than usual. So I've watched a ton of stuff. I'll just get to the good stuff. Uh, Like I saw, uh, it opens in theaters as you're listening to this. Britney runs a marathon. It's fine. It's not great. Uh, It's fine. Uh, Near Dark was playing in theaters. I, wait, I was amazing. curious about Britney Runs a Marathon. Marathon. Amazon Studios paid a bunch of movies for a very lighthearted, positive movie. I want to run the New York City Marathon. I think that is such a good idea. Hmm. That's a bad omen. Hold it! With the great Jillian Bell, who's, right, uh, who's fantastic. amazing in it. Really good, but it's just like a rom-com with a romance, but mostly about her running a marathon. It, pretty much what sells itself right I don't know. yeah I, I was seeing some stuff on twitter where people like friends of hers i guess were saying oh i know it looks like it's a, a movie about losing weight but it, it's not a movie about that at all like i promise uh it is and it isn't which is part of its appeal i don't know i thought it could have dwelled more into i don't know pick a topic and then just like stick with it and that'd be like something <laughs> uh, but also um the best parts of the movie were when she got to like be let loose a little bit because she jillian bell's hilarious uh and there's maybe only like three or four of those scenes in a movie. It's like, oh, I want more of her unleashed. What? Let's get you healthy. I want you to try losing 55 pounds. That's the weight of a Siberian Husky. You want me to pull a medium-sized working dog off of my body? Yeah, like, what is this? It's just her trying to make like a, cat- yeah. like a train wreck? Like a lot that of good kind of people thing? in it, too. Kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of good people, too. Lil Rel Howery, um, Michaela Watkins, who needs to be in more movies. Mm, that's cool. Uh, solid cast and... I don't know. I just didn't love it. 
But I did say I saw Near Dark, which was played in theaters here at Brooklyn Bam Cinema. Cinema. Uh, I never saw Near Dark before. It's a Catherine Bigelow movie from the eighties. Uh, oh yes, it's a yeah. vampire movie that doesn't say the word vampire at all. Uh, they're like bikers, and it's a kind of a weird Midwest Western thing. Uh, but anyway, Bill Paxton owns that shit hard. Uh, it's his first movie. You were saying, right? Yeah, I, I was. It is absolutely a stunner. Like Bill Paxton, rest in peace. Gorgeous movie. Yeah, he performance wise, it's like I, I I would recommend seeing that. It's like a very it's like a very dusty movie. It seems like right, oh, yeah. like they're out in Texas and they seem uh, everybody like they seems like sweaty and Oklahoma covered in to Texas and go up north so they could go through like those states. But yeah, like um, a lot of the cool scenes, she picks uh, like a uh, uh, truck stop car wash or like oil derricks, and it's all night too because they're vampires. So it's like really cool looking sets for a, cool. for a pretty bland plot. Bill Paxton again owns. I only will talk about how great Bill Paxton is. Woo! <laughs> Finger licking good. Hey Jess, I got smell like a dead polecat. Uh, I did catch up on some great movies of 2019 and some other movies of 2019. Ashes Purest White uh, from uh, Jia Zhangzi, who did A Touch of Sin. Uh, uh, that movie's great. Uh, Xiao Tao won Best Actress at Cannes last year for it. Uh, very cool movie. Uh, I only seen A Touch of Sin, but uh, reading about this movie, like he just does a lot of other references to his own films. But, That's interesting. Uh, it's a very cool movie. I would recommend watching that. But a movie I loved uh, is called Transit. Uh, Christian Petzold, who recently did the movie Phoenix, which is great. Uh, yeah, this movie is so good. This movie has a weird trick about it where it's like, it's about immigration process and like them forcing people out, but they never uh, explicitly say what time it is. You think it's like, oh, it's, it's German, so it's like Nazi regime. But it also it's like they reference... A zombie movie that set in a mall that came out in America, like clothing-wise, it's like no, so it's ambiguous. Like the '80s or something, maybe. No way. There's no way to tell, and that's part of its genius. And it only can be done by this master of a director. I can't uh, make films with fascists. I'm really sure. I can't stand that. Huh? Uh, What's the name of the director? Uh, uh, Christian Petzold. Oh, okay. Uh, Phoenix is an amazing movie. I loved Phoenix, which is why I was excited to see Transit. Yeah, I would say it's like in my top ten movies of the year. I was so blown away. I feel like there's like 50 movies in your top 10 movies. Oh, I got year. the list, I think, right here. <laughs> uh, but it's only 10, I think. Okay. All I right. I believe it. Out. I believe it. I recently pushed out us out of it. Uh, give me one more, uh, just because I want to shit on a little bit. I use love Studio Leica. Uh, they do a great work. They've never missed an Oscar nomination. Uh, they've done uh, Paranorman, Coraline, uh, Box Trolls, all great movies. Uh, I love Kubo and the Two Strings. Hmm. Uh, they had one this year. It was called Missing Link. Oh, yeah, with, with Zach. Galifianakis, Zach Galifianakis, right? Hugh Jackman. It sucked. Did it really? It came and went from the theaters really fast. So um, it was done by Annapurna, which is going through its own... Yeah, like a lot now. of problems, right? Uh, huge budget. It's the biggest budget uh, a studio like a movie had. Uh, and again, stop-motion animation, God bless them for putting stop-motion animation movies out. Uh, Scenery-wise, they do some absolutely gorgeous stuff, but just like the relationships between the characters, which is the basis of the movie, this missing link and the guy who discovers him, is just so underdeveloped. It cost a hundred million budget. What? It made twenty four oh million. Oh my so god! So that's where Anna, why Annapurna is going through its troubles oh, right now. Oh, that's pretty rough. All, no, all their other movies like made profit, like crossed hundred million, and were great. Uh, I love Kubo and the Two Strings. I mean, it didn't win an Oscar, or it, uh, it, it was, was nominated. It was nominated and also got a surprise nomination for uh, 
uh, visual fa- special effects, which is crazy for an animated movie. I mean, but I guess it's you know stop motion. Yeah, so yeah. Like... They, they, they do great work, and again, it looks really cool. But it's very more of a quaint. If anything, I would applaud Studio Leica for trying something different, other than like cool, fantastic stories. It goes more for a two-handed charmer. But was it kind of like a, trying to be like a Wallace and Gromit or something? Oh, it wishes it. It was trying to, yeah. Yeah. Even it in had the kind of that look. Yeah. To even it. The, yeah. The, the character design. Yeah. Um, I, so Caleb, that is a great list of very intelligent <laughs> movies that you watched. The main one that I'm remembering, cause it has been like three weeks maybe since we did this last. Yeah. The main one I'm remembering is Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, I saw, I saw Hobbs saw and Shaw. I saw Hobbs and Shaw and I saw it in uh, 4D at Whoa. the Union Square what movie theater. With the, with the fourth? Well, the D. really funny thing, I mean, so Hobbs and Shaw, it's an action movie. It's a spinoff from the Fast and Furious franchise with, uh, you know, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, if you're like not sophisticated. And then uh, Jason Statham, who I realized is just Michael Caine. Like he's just doing like if Michael Caine Ooh. was on, mu- had muscles. If Michael Caine was bald and, I don't know, Michael Caine's dope in like uh, Get Carter and stuff. Yeah, and I've been watching, actually, Amazon has been servicing me a lot of, like, 1970s movies with uh, Michael Caton, where he's, like, they're, like, weird spy movies starring him. Mm-hmm. I guess he made this whole series of spy movies where he's, like, it's all about him fighting the communists, yeah, but he's yeah. kind of, like, you know, a little silly about it. So, those movies reminded me of Jason Statham. Uh, anyway, the so the funny thing about it in 4D, like, and I've only seen one other movie in 4D, which was uh, The Meg, and so that was a lot of, like, water. Both Jason Statham movies. Both Jason, what can I say? I like Jason Statham. And it was like water spraying at you. And when there's submarines or helicopters, it's like the seats kind of sway back and forth like you're flying. Whoa. So really what I was expecting was like driving scenes with that kind of swaying mm-hmm. and like rumbling and stuff. And maybe some water. I, I really didn't know. <laughs> okay. So what actually happened was that, so there's a, a huge amount of, there's like a bunch of fight scenes, right? And during the fight scenes, those were 4D. Like there was a time when somebody got thrown into a like giant steel bar and the seat like fucking kicked you in the back, like really hard. <laughs> it felt like a, like a brick basically. We just got shoved you into your sign spine a to watch this movie. No, you did not. Yeah. And then several other times during fights, it would be like, if somebody got punched or you would just, the seat would punch you. <laughs> it was like, Damn. it kind of was fucked up in all honesty. Um, one of the funny things though, was uh, one of the effects that 4d can do is it shoots out like compressed air and it goes like, and it's kind of loud and jarring. And also it eventually makes a cloud of air in the uh, theater. That is, uh, does it smell like gasoline? No, it doesn't. It, it kind of smells like fake smoke, you know? Um, or maybe those are actually two different effects. One of them is the compressed air and one of them is fake smoke. But um, the they had decided that the compressed air sound they would use for literally everything. So like if a car peeled out, there was compressed air. If there was an explosion, it was compressed air. If some glass broke, it was compressed air. It was like it just was just happening all the time. <laughs> Uh, it was very we'll play silly. The sound effect. So instead of us doing oh, yeah, I'll look up 4D sound effects. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pushed air. It was really silly, but it was actually really good. Um, you know, Dwayne Johnson is having like extreme father of a daughter energy. Like, so he leaves interrogating a terrorist to FaceTime his daughter, which is just one of the like hundred different times that he communicates that his daughter is the most important person in the world. <laughs> uh, it's really silly. Uh, and um, a lot of like Pacific Island culture. It's very big on him. Oh, cool. Big on Pacific Island culture. My baby's come home. I'm sorry to bring trouble here, Mama, but I need my brothers. And, like, one final thing I'll say is um, there's a big fight scene at the end where they have to use, like, uh, handheld things for whatever reason. It's dumb. And everybody has traditional Samoan clubs or whatever. 
uh, like you would see in a museum. Like you, do you know what sure, I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. 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 Um, but Jason Statham has a sledgehammer. <laughs> Jason Statham is like full on wailing people in the head with a sledgehammer, and they basically go like, "Ow!" and fall over. <laughs> you know, That's like some Triple H shit. Right there's there. no blood. There's like nothing. It doesn't seem like he's killed them, even though this really muscular guy, as hard as he can, has crushed <laughs> someone's head with a sledgehammer. But it relates, I feel like, to these movies, especially the first movie that we're going to talk about. And the it's Fast a depiction and the of Furious movies. And then it's a depiction of violence because the question is, is it better to present violence realistically or non-realistically? Right. So in Hobbs and Shaw, you're seeing violence very cartoonishly, and it's not upsetting. But on the other hand, does that give you somehow the idea that like it's it's okay, like the violence is okay? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's that's two complete go- polar opposites. Yeah, I would say that's in blue with the uh, revenge there, over the top violence. Yeah, yeah. revenge is very over. Yeah. Yeah, so I watched other things that were smart, I think, but we'll just pretend that was it. <laughs> so yeah, the first movie we're going to talk about this week is The Nightingale. I'd sit and cry my fill. Get me to the soldiers that came by this morning. It's too dangerous. Up north, they kill us. You sure you want to follow him? Jennifer Kent's follow-up to the critically acclaimed movie The Babadook, uh, a film that became a horror classic and whose titular character became an unlikely gay icon. That whole thing is, like, really dumb. I honestly think that's really stupid, but it's also funny. I mean, I think it's funny. The Nightingale, an unrelentingly bleak film about sexual violence and racism set against the backdrop of the British colonization of Tasmania. Uh, From the first moments of the film where we meet the main character, Claire, who's also known as the Nightingale. Uh, she's an Irish convict living in Tasmania, and she's there with her cooing baby and her dumb, dumbly, sweetly smiling husband. It's obvious that literally the worst things you can possibly imagine are about to happen. Uh, and this isn't hard to figure out because the film is preceded by an elaborate warning about the sexual and physical violence that you're going to see. You know, like a, a trigger warning, which it definitely should have. Um, because see violence we do early and often and at great excruciating torturous length honestly the best thing i can say about this movie is that it's a horror film in the truest sense of the word it's genuinely horrifying and horrible to watch uh caitlin caleb what did you think of this movie uh yeah she came out this movie at sundance she came out and said like oh yeah uh this is extreme movie red where she at at screening she told people uh leave if you feel uncomfortable uh director telling people to leave movies uh, which is like great um but that extremity is uh the point of the movie uh truth to power uh you should come out of this movie feeling absolutely drained it is beyond harrowing uh like every aspect she just like create and drains you uh the violence is extreme i would say without being gratuitous like she doesn't over elaborate i on don't it. know i mean it's not gratuitous it's like she doesn't hold the shots she doesn't hold the shots she holds the shots she doesn't show the uh the violence she holds her this is uh the you know, extreme part she holds it from the woman's perspective which is so daunting and like they're screaming i mean how many minutes of women screaming while they're being raped are in this movie do you think uh not as much in real life that's i mean okay fine well so th- i mean i'm not to interrupt you but this is one of the big questions i feel about this movie is honestly i left it thinking like like just why like why it why is would someone want to make this movie why is it happening because it's just highlighting like absolutely the worst Those things you can possibly is going imagine on today uh i mean the- it's true i mean bad things happen all the time you know i i don't 
but it, it but this is the you saying speak truth to power is interesting to me because this is one of the flaws of the movie i think is it's like it's not like the power is going to see this movie i mean it's just like people who already agree with it are going to see it. So yeah, why are we submitting ourselves to being who tortured? People it aren't also not going to like it too. Uh, like you, you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I mean, everyone agrees that uh, sexual assault is wrong. Like there's, that's a hundred percent true fact. Uh, but you can also be like, okay, I don't want to see it, and that's totally fine. Uh, I liked it in the sense that it was an absolute nightmare, and it. I mean, it was an absolute nightmare. Scared the hell out of me and made me feel so uncomfortable. And when you do feel uncomfortable, and that's the magic of movies and things of uh, high art, are you can follow that thread and like question your own like. I, th- I had to like think of like, oh, why did I uh, like this movie? Because like I said, it, it's a violent, fucked up movie, but it's not. I didn't feel it was like gratuitous or over the top. Like she didn't like linger too long on things. Um, I mean, I would disagree with you that she doesn't linger. I mean, I guess it's the what you mean by too long I I, because I mean, she lingers a very long time on these things. I guess what I'm trying to say is like uh, with the Baba Duke, that was a ghost story, but it was more of a psychological. Where this is more grounded in the truth of this stuff actually happened, and not only from the sexual assault stuff, but they talk about the other character, how his people just get wiped out systematically. Uh, right. So, and those are, those are things that are like still true. Very they really happen, right? right? I know now. it's yeah. true. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it's like definitely a, a, about twenty minutes into the movie, I just thought, all right, yes, I agree that colonialism and sexism are bad. Do I have to keep watching? <laughs> Do I have to keep being tortured like this? Uh, there's a, a a quote I liked that the AV Club had. It's a nightmare worth enduring, which is like, <laughs> I don't know if that's true of any nightmare. <laughs> like nightmares yeah, right. are like, but if I guess if you want to get like truly. Oh, like I always say, oh, that movie's scary. Like people say, like, oh, uh, us was a scary movie or whatever mm-hmm. finds them scary. Uh, no, this is truly horrifying. This is like true horror. I mean, it's truly, truly horrifying to watch the things that happen in this movie. I mean, just to give you an idea, I did like some quick math. There's basically two gang rapes, like three other rapes, I think, two children who are murdered two adult men who are murdered and it's like you feel every single one of those like oh very intensely it's like an extra sense of dread of they spend time like quality movie time with the bad guys uh the monsters of this movie like uh, his name is uh lieutenant hawkins and he has like two uh crony guys uh they're monsters but they're also, she gives them the grace of allowing them to be people. And the way she shows this, though, it makes is, it like much worse, right? The way she shows them, though, is like they're just insecure men. Uh, like Lieutenant Hawkins is always passed over for his mm-hmm. jobs. And like that's what sets things in motion. And also, since he's always passed over, you see him bottling that insecurity and then like unleashing that on people weaker than him, uh, not only to uh, his under siblings, but also to uh, Claire, uh, the Nightingale herself, uh, which was. A very good performance from uh, this actress. I'm going to butcher her name. Uh, uh, Eisling uh, Franciosi. Oh, <laughs> it's extremely so Irish, sorry. right? Extremely Irish. So sh- sorry. But see, this is, I would again, I would disagree because I feel like you're right. That is what happens with this character. But at the same time, he feels kind of just like a garden variety, like bad man. You know, he has the, I mean, you're right. His motivation is that he's insecure and he's been passed over for a bunch of stuff. But like, as far as motivations go, that's like pretty basic oh yeah she, he's but, just she, like a he's like a cartoon villain yeah, he's like history's to, greatest monster to full, you know? fully fully despise him i i would say like 
that and she... I also think some of the scenes with just the soldiers are like kind of poorly lit and poorly acted and like the costumes look dumb and like it I mean the first time we meet the soldiers in the movie I was like I feel like I'm watching a not particularly expensive British TV show um I did read a little bit about uh the uphill battle forget this movie because Babadook crazy successful movie she got offers to do it but she followed her muse. She's I like, mean, oh, I want to make this movie about... She quoted it as a movie about uh, love and survival and warmth, which is like, whoa. But the survival thing I can say... Survival, right? yes. Uh, she did... And uh, to her credit, she says uh, a lot of like, it's just, uh, do, uh, that sexual assault stuff happens, but it's just a part of the movie. It's more about the survival and togetherness. And I think that was uh, my... The uh, saving grace of this movie is why I really liked it is the two leads... Uh, uh, Claire, whose name I'm not going to say again, and uh, Billy, who we haven't talked about. Yeah, uh, so the this guy is, she, she has this great relationship with this guy, yeah. Blackbird, whose name Billy is. is yeah. yeah. Um, who's an indigenous Tasmanian person, and he's like her guide through the wilderness and also, you know, eventually her friend. Like at first, she hates him yeah, because it, he's it, black, and yeah, then it's like the, they learn the to like come each out other. There. Uh, and the way they build that is uh, uh, what, why I really like this movie. Um, starts off with hating, and then they just, as they learn, like, he his family was murdered and then he learns that what happened to her like her baby was killed and by these by these same men mm-hmm. uh and it's that like in like a lesser movie this would have been like oh uh look at this look cute little friendship between like two crosses but no these people are bonded by their loss their huge loss and this also their their righteous anger and they're and, like always screaming at each other also yeah uh, the, the way they first bond to is uh them cursing out the uh, the military in their own both their own like native the British, language. You know, he's like, yeah. "You're British," and she's like, "No, um, I'm, I'm Irish." Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, but it's like I feel like what we're not getting across is how sadistic and torturous of a film this is. Like, you know, before seeing this movie, my ultimate example of the, that would was Funny Games, the Michael Hanka movie. Well, because I, it, it, it manipulates the audience to such a, like, I would th- say that one of the main objectives of this movie is manipulating the audience and making them feel as bad as possible yeah. all the time, which yeah. is they do in funny games, like to the point that at one point the victims escape in funny games and the villain turns to the camera and goes like, oh no, they're not allowed to escape. And the scene replays and they don't escape that time. Um, it's like, you know, the filmmaker very directly telling you the bad guys are going to win and this movie exists to make you feel bad. Yeah. Which I feel like is mm. totally the mission that this movie no, is on, but I, I think just... it's in in service of what she considers to be higher ideals. You know, telling you about colonialism and feminism and toxic masculinity. Well, the, the key to, to speak to the funny games thing that, as they you say, they rewind and like do a bunch of stuff. It's in the name of uh, punishing and fantasy. Uh, this is a true true things. Like she's speaking to. Uh, right, like I, I'm going to keep happen. saying truth to power. This is like a real horrible things that our world. Uh, and she's Australian, and she has to uh, live with being an Australian. It's true, right? It happened yeah. in her country. Um, but, you know, my thing about that is, like, I don't disagree that these are true things that happened, and I, I understand the idea that there's value in presenting them. But, like, you know, someone somewhere in the world was tortured to death, and it took longer than two hours. But that doesn't mean I want to watch a movie that's just two straight hours of someone being tortured to death. There is some, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it is. But there is, like, uh, so this is getting a little spoiler territory, but uh, Clara kills one soldier. Uh, and then she still continues her pursuit. Uh, she has a crisis of thing, of, uh, of like, should, should she kill these people? Um, 
this movie right like is vengeance good yeah it really like portends that like taking a life will haunt you and stick with you as, as it does uh the uh mm. the guy who killed the baby like he is haunted by it the, this entire movie uh and she can't like really bring herself to do it like she doesn't kill anyone else the entire movie uh it's uh, violence necessary to take out an evil to what extent too which is a very hard question to grapple with i think that that movie even like raises this question is like just so profound to me. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, again, to spoil the movie a little bit, it's like, in the end, it's like, is it worth going after the main bad guy or should they just go on with their lives? Yeah. And that's the question they try to answer because it's like, you know, maybe he's, you know, not going to be as bad for yeah. some reason. Like, maybe he's settled down a little bit and he just was having a crazy murderous episode. So maybe so, it's not worth them ruining their own lives to try to end his life. But maybe it is, you know? Yeah. And that's uh, something they address. It, it, it is a, a huge evil that she's killing. And I, and as the audience, like, and as again, they depict these men as nothing but despicable humans. You're rooting for them to die. Uh, but then it also is like, how fucked up it is that rooting for death is like that. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. And I mean, and again, it's like the violence, the sexual violence and the physical violence is all presented so... Like realistic, so I don't even want to say realistically. It's like even beyond realistic. Like the rape scenes are from a point of view that ugh, just so like I, mean, I it, audibly it was like one. It's one of the most uncomfortable I've been in the theater. But I don't. Uh, it's hard. Like I would recommend this movie if you can stand that stuff, but also don't see this movie too. Uh, it's very strong and very powerful, and that's what uh, I really, really enjoyed about it. But uh, speaking as uh, fan of film. Uh, Jennifer Kent is an amazing director. Babadook, great. Uh, this movie, The Nightingale, like she does a little, sometimes a little ghost story stuff. Like I said, she's haunted by a killing. There's like a nightmare scene that's kind of cool. Like she could have taken a much different route for this movie, but she really wanted to be these ideals of like, oh, this is a fucked up truth of the world and just hammer you with it. Yeah, I mean, it does make you wonder like why in the world she thought this movie was so important to make that she's squandered all the goodwill she got from the Babadook in order to do it. Like, I mean... I don't think she's squandered it. It's getting great reviews. It's getting great reviews, but it's also just like... I don't know, dude. You know, they were only showing it at BAM at 9.20 p.m. because it's, like, so fucking extreme that you can't watch it any other time. I watched it uh, an earlier showing at IFC. (laughs) Yeah, but I just mean it's like it's not going to have the same impact at all. It's not going to make any money. I mean, maybe it didn't cost any money. I saw one of the big producers is Film Australia, so yeah. like that's not a, an investor you have to pay back. You uh, know what I mean? It did remind me of two other Australian movies, uh, Nicholas Rogue's uh, Walkabout, uh, which is just more like set in the uh, Australian outback, and also reminded me of. Uh, you see Wolf Creek? It's like a 2005 movie yes, from I Australia. Yeah, that's like a fucking terrible yeah, it's like, horror movie. Uh, it's a true story. of uh, It's like Hills Have Eyes. So like the uh, whole toxic mas- like men stalking aspect of it. It's also a really cool, violent Australian movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and I had another problem with this movie, which was that in a certain sense, I found it to be like very uncinematic. And like it, I didn't. The compositions I didn't find particularly interesting. The lighting I didn't think was particularly interesting. It was like shot in a really boxy aspect. Yeah, I didn't feel like it was really using cinema to communicate anything. I felt like it was just I was watching things happen. You Uh, know what I mean? It was it was more like TV. I interpreted. I I, I get that, and I could see that reading. I kind of interpreted it as just more 
aiding in the severity of it all. You are like, this is serious. Yeah, like, oh, wait, uh, everything's like, like the boxy aspect ratio makes it just like contained. I don't know. It, yeah. And you know, again, so we were, this is something we were talking about before we finalized doing this, but like, you know, it, it's, this is tough things to talk about because we're both men, but you know, there's sort of a certain mood I feel like now that people are sort of tired of seeing sexual violence against women on film because it's often used as a, as a motivator for something. I mean, often as a motivator for a man to do something like my wife was raped and therefore I have to do blah, 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 like straw dogs. I think that happens, but many, many, many things that happens in. And there's just sort of a moment we're in where we're like, maybe I don't want to watch women be raped. And, you know, obviously there's murders and child murders and all sorts of things that happen in media all the time, but something, you know, sexual violence is like particularly heinous in part because it, is so common and that people, uh, you know, so many people in society maybe don't take it as seriously as they should. Mm-hmm. And so it's many, something many women have firsthand experience with. And it's like, I don't, you know, they don't want to see it anymore, like at all. Uh, so it is interesting because obviously this movie takes it as seriously as you could possibly take it. And, you know, it's not at all letting off the hook anyone involved with it in any way, shape or form. But at the same time, it is you're watching so much sexual violence happen that it's it's distasteful. I mean, I, I thought, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's the, uh, the, the point. Uh, it also is uh, good to see female directors do this, too. Uh, like, right. I don't care about Sam Peckinpah uh, anymore. Right. Like, old school shit. Uh, and this is a, a, a person, uh, Jennifer Kennedy seemed to really care about her two lead characters, too. Um, I don't know her own past, but, like, yeah, it was very taken aback reading uh, interviews with her and her saying this is these are this is a movie about love I was like I I don't I like this movie I don't even follow you here Jed like between which characters <laughs> do you think she means uh, uh, I would say between uh, Blackbird and Nightingale not like uh, mm-hmm. they did grow to love each and other and I guess her love for her family that she's oh, sure. like avenging and it is a uncomfortable thing to talk about but uh, I said that earlier, magic of cinema, uh, we're just talking about a film and then that allows us to like open up ideas that maybe we didn't have in the back of our head that like, oh, now I can talk about this because I never thought about this before. And I think when this movie is as strong and purposeful, like she's prying, not like she take, speaking of taking a sledgehammer, she is hitting you with stuff so hard uh, that like you have to like react you can walk out you can not like it you can like it like i did i think you have to react to this movie which is kind of a Mm -hmm. cool thing yeah dog it was (laughs) you know tracy jordan hard to watch like it was very hard to watch um did you have anything else you wanted to say about this movie uh i I bragged on uh lieutenant uh hawkins a little bit uh is, is a despicable horrible character but weirdly well acted it's well acted. Yeah, it's yeah. well acted. It's... Although, you know, here's one thing I'll say, just speaking of him as a character, like we're talking about how realistic the violence is. The violence is realistic, except when he murders, when he shoots someone, they just drop dead yeah. the, that second. Every the other, every other character yeah. who kills someone, it's like complicated and takes a long time. But for him, he just like wills people dead, basically. Mm-hmm. You know? The actor's name is Sam McClaflin. Uh, he was in The Hunger Games, which I haven't seen. You've never seen The Hunger Games? I don't care about seeing some PG-13 oh bullshit. Oh, my God. Caleb, you got to check out The Hunger Games. It's, it's a P- good movie. Uh, I'll watch Battle Royale again. 
It's it's honestly it's better than Battle Royale. I am curious because which one is Battle Royale Seymour? kind of sucks in all honesty. Like it, it had the idea for this kind of thing, but it's much better executed in the Hunger Games. Yeah, I read the book for Battle Royale after because I really liked the movie. Then like, oh wait, Battle Royale does kind of suck, but I don't want to see some PG thirteen stuff. All right, whatever. To each his own. And on the flip side of uh of movies, we talked. Chris talked about earlier of uh the over the top violence of. Sam and Fish? What is it called? Hobbs and Donovan? Obviously, it's Hobbs and Shaw, Caleb. I don't Ob- know why we're playing obvious, this charade. Obviously, in Shaw. But in that vein, this is a movie called Revenge. Women always have to put up a fight. <laughs> Revenge, from French director Coralie Farge, in her feature-length debut, uh, concerns young socialite Jen and her already married boyfriend Richard on a getaway in his secluded desert home that he uses, that he also uses for his annual hunting trip. Uh, when Richard's two hunting buddies show up early, Jen is then sexually assaulted and then left for dead in the desert by these three men. Uh, this all happens within the first 30-ish minutes of the film, so the rest of the hour plus we are treated to Jen's story as she recovers as recovers then seeks vi- vengeance upon her assailers. Uh, Writer-director Farge cites Mad Max and Rambo as influences on the film, uh, heroic revenge tales instead of the 70s grindhouse exploitation B-movie that this pl- plot suggests. Uh, this was screened at the midnight sections at both TIFF and Sundance. Uh, it's also distributed by uh, Neon. The film is at times self-aware and at all times colorfully blown out uh, with, as- with an aesthetic that gives a lot of room for inventive chase scenes, uh, uh, kind of an instant classic peyote trip, and uh, not cold-blooded, but thick, bloody revenge. Uh, I had this movie in my like uh, top ten last year. This is very different from the Nightingale in terms of different. color palette, yeah. overall overall tone, uh, details given, uh, and even specifically showing the uh, s- uh, and showing sexual assault. As we alluded, how Jennifer Kent really hammered it home. This uh, cool thing that this movie does is not show it at all. I mean, I don't know if that's a cool. I mean, that's something to talk about, right? Is yeah. that a cool thing or is it cowardly? You know, and this oh, is what we were uh, talking about too about violence. Like, this is a movie where violence is it's realistic, but it's also much more cartoony yeah. than it is in um, the Nightingale. It's like, is it? You know, the question is, is it better to present these things in a way that's uncomfortable to watch or in a way that's kind of comfortable to watch? You know, and there's definitely an argument to be made that it's bad to present violence in a movie and not make you feel like oh yeah violence is terrible because if you don't get that from a film then you think you can do it in real life you know what i mean and oh, you're sure. not gonna make uh, it... there's a simpsons episode about that right so it's but then again as just as a viewer just as a person that cinema or sitting on your couch like you don't want to see that do you know what i mean like you don't want to experience that you don't want to see it and therefore it makes a film like something you don't ever want to watch you know it's very interesting and i you know i don't know what are your thoughts on that do you feel like it's better for violence in film to be very realistic and uncomfortable or better for it to be like a little abstracted and um 
I'm taking, uh, this is kind of like pleading fit, but it depends on uh, the director. Like if they're up to handling a realistic thing or if they're like, oh, wait, I know how I want to do this. I want to go super over the top. Uh, and I've read uh, interview, uh, interviews with Farge about like, oh, yeah, I'm going crazy over the top here. I, uh, I was having a blast going over the top. It's also very dependent on story, too. Like there's a movie I like that goes both ways. It's called uh, Super, which also has a, a sexual assault oh, scene. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, um, it's a Rain Wilson movie that James Gunn directed. But that movie is like cartoony and he has like a weird mental thing. But they actually like show the violence like as impactful and real. I was like, oh, that's super fucked up. Like hits people with wrenches. Is this? He's a superhero who wants to, he's a vigilante who, who is trying to be a superhero and just hits people with wrenches and stuff. Right, yeah. Uh, and it's fucked up and it's like, you want it to be more like Tom and Jerry, but it's just like, no, he's just hitting people. No, it's like if you if you really hit someone with a wrench, it would be really hurt them yeah. a lot. And it would not kill them. That's the worst part. It would just like crack open their head and yeah. a bunch of blood would come out and they would be like moaning and you would feel terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you would immediately feel terrible. So this movie is like a, a whole fucking mess. I feel like it's a whole fucking mess from top to bottom because, and I mean, it's definitely like, Visually, I think it's great. Honestly, like I think the visuals, we are talking about neon films and Nicholas Winding Ref, and I've also seen her say Drive is an influence. And you can definitely see that, like you're saying, mm-hmm. in the color palette. And in the way it's got this sort of like, I don't know, this sort of like realistic fantasy of masculinism, which is like such a big part of it. You know, look, making the masculinity look bad, you know, making all these masculine people look like villains, which I think is something that Nicholas Winning Refn is into, but in a, from a different point of view. Like he sort of loves it, but also thinks it's bad. It's got The politics of this movie are very tough to figure out, in all honesty, I feel like. I know it's written and directed by a woman. Basically, this woman is the main character, is a... Um, the first thing she does is like take her ass out of her dress and then she's like having sex and like acting crazy. And you know, I'm what I'm took as the moral was like, if this is the way you want to act, it's absolutely fine. And it's not an excuse for you to be sexually assault- assaulted, which obviously is hundred percent true. And, and I agree with that. But at the same time, like this is what we were talking about, about under the silver Lake, right? Like it's one thing to sort of present a, a moral and you can understand what that moral is, but from a practical sense, the first 25 minutes of this movie, you're looking at this girl's ass like over and over and over again. Like she's in a bathing suit and she's in her underwear and she's like got her just naked, you know? And she's like rubbing herself on people and like acting crazy, which is again, fine if you want to act that way, but it's just like, it's very odd. It's an odd way to start the movie. And then this, this sexual assault happens, which is harrowing and terrible. But then, like, so the movie's called Revenge, right? And the vibe you get from it is that it's, like, a rape-revenge movie. Like, she gets raped, and then she's taking revenge, right? In fact, after the sexual assault happens, she just goes to bed and does not, nothing. she doesn't do anything. And then her boyfriend comes home, and sort of, they talk about it, and then she goes back to sleep. It's only after they attempt to murder her that she is taking revenge, quote-unquote. And I would say she's not even really taking revenge. It's that they are trying to hunt her and kill her, and she's defending herself. And at certain points, she's defending herself by, like, seeking them out and killing them. But it's not as if it's a rape-revenge in the same way that the Nightingale is, where, like, that obviously very much is the animating principle of the movie. In this, it's like these people are trying to kill her, and she is trying not to get killed. Uh, it's not as if she's raped and then she takes her revenge on these people for taking advantage of her. I think that's not at all what happens in the movie. Uh, I don't know if I agree with 
that. Uh, well, I, fo- I also, uh, yeah, she 100% gets to act however she gets to act, as everyone of course, does. Of course, of course, of course. So I think it's uh, cool and uh, kind of a dastardly cool trick that uh, Corley Farge plays. We gaze upon this woman's body, look how cool she is, and then she offers the same like slow pan on the camera when she's like, absolutely fucked up and has a tree sticking out of her yeah uh so it's like oh hey you guys like this hot woman yeah check her out now we're still using that same because she's uh i've read that she wanted to leave her in her underwear even less clothing as after she was uh thing so it's like that's kind of a fun inversion of the male gaze at the same time it's like so then you're watching this movie that's supposedly you know female empowering or whatever but the main character spends 80 percent of the movie in literally just her underwear and she's you know, it's like a hot girl in her underwear. Yeah, she wants to be. She's a socialite. She wants to be a, a, ho- but I a mean, Hollywood after, star. After she is being attacked and stuff, like she does all of the revenge stuff while only wearing her underwear, which is like if a man directed that, it would be unacceptable. Yeah, you know, but it's kind of cool. It's still unacceptable, I think, even if a woman uh, directed it. I think it's still unacceptable. Uh, like, I, I mean, I don't think it's unacceptable. I think it's uh, part of the character that she written. If it was like not part of the character that was written uh, who wasn't uh, this strong woman who danced around, I would have said it's unacceptable, but it's also part of the ca- part of the character that was on the table. And I do think it's revenge because she was raped. <laughs> yeah, but um, after she, she does not try to take revenge uh, what on What happens is her. Uh, and her boy, when her boyfriend comes back, she's hoping to like just leave. Who knows what's going on in her head? She's embarrassed. She's, what, she's fucked up. She just wants to trying, leave. She just wants to leave. Uh, right. comprehend what's going Which on. Which I found, I identified with. And instead with. of uh, her boyfriend comes back, uh, instead of acting like a human being or helping her out, he just tries to offer her hush money. Oh my God, that's uh, so And gross. then she just tries to get the hell out of there herself, and he pushes her off a cliff. And I think it's survival at first, and then, of course, she wants revenge. <laughs> I don't know why that is like. No, I'm not. I'm saying, but she doesn't take revenge. She, they are hunting her, and the, she, is trying to kill them so that they don't kill her. She is. She is. That revenge could also implies, be revenge. Revenge implies that like, some amount of time later, she is exacting some kind of plan to hunt these people down and kill them. In fact, they are hunting her down. Yeah, you can, And she is defending herself. I mean. Her part, part is revenge. It doesn't matter what they're doing. They they could still be trying to kill her. If, Right, I mean, it still counts as revenge. If you hear someone's revenge, trying right? to okay, kill fine. you. <laughs> I mean, okay, fine, that is true. It still counts as revenge. Um, um, but it's just, I, I had the idea it might be more of uh, something a little different. Uh, a thing I liked, uh, I liked that they did, uh, every every fight scene is really cool. Uh, well, she has to earn everything. It's not really like, oh, through sheer luck, she gets to, is how she kills the guys. No, she, uh, the first guy's like a hunter and like kind of has a one-ups her a little bit. And then so she, and like, as he's uh, murdering her, she just has like, oh, wait, I got this, and just straight up kills him. Uh, there's a really cool chase scene with uh, the guy who does the sexual assault to her uh, where he, she, at one point, uh, uh, she shoots him, and he, like, loses a shoe because of blood, uh, and oh then he God. has to uh, take off his shoe, and she, like, throws glass on the ground, and there's this really way too long extended, obviously fake foot that he has to pull a huge piece of glass out. Oh my God. It's like four minutes long okay, of him just fishing his uh, piece of glass out of a foot. It gets to be one of those things like, oh, this is, oh, 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 uh, oh, okay. We're still doing that here. We're still here. And I, it, I, I, fast, I, I fast forwarded through oh, this. I, it was so long. I could not handle it. I remember watching that in the theater. I also saw this at IFC when it came out. Uh, I remember the whole, like my whole audience was <laughs> like super on board, just laughing at that at that point. 
Uh, and then the final scene, I think, is so good. Um, it starts off with a tracking shot when uh, the boyfriend comes home. And speaking of gays, uh, this dude is nude. He's in the shower. He's nude. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then he sees her. And, and you then do we, see his dick like several times. Yeah, and then she shoots him. And as she sh- uh, then he runs away, his guts are falling out and he's bleeding everywhere. And it's like around this uh, hallway that's like a, a circle square situation where it's like, yeah, just keep turning. They like chase each other around it. Like it's like, okay, I'm going to stop here and hold my gun waiting for her to come out. And then the blood splatters, so she like turns around again, and it's like a reverse chase scene. Uh, and then that keeps happening. It happens like for they're yeah, so they're chasing long. each other for like ten full minutes. And around then it like kind of ends because she slips on the blood because so much blood spills out. And again, he's naked and bloody this whole time. At one point, he wraps a bunch of cellophane around his yeah, body. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's super campy, over the top fun. Uh, but my favorite scene, and I said in my intro, is uh, uh, they have a Chekhov's peyote. They uh, handed peyote early in the movie. Uh, and, uh, he does say when he gets the peyote, cause they're, uh, all hunters, like, are you crazy? We have weapons. Peyote and weapons is crazy. I know a hunter, he, uh, he took peyote and sawed his leg off and didn't feel anything. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cut to, and then they don't even reference that again. And then she has, pulls out the peyote and this is when she has a tree sticking out of her. Uh, she fell from a, th- uh, she has a bunch of stuff going on. She dragged herself through the desert. She's in this cave. It's a beautifully shot scene. <laughs> The uh, movie does look great. I yeah. will say the movie looks great. Uh, she takes the peyote and then like singes, sutures, uh, burns herself, burns herself shut. Uh, yeah. Takes a hunting knife to uh, dig deeper to cut the tree out, which is so gnarly. Like the sound pulls out. The sound on yeah, the sound on that too was super. Yeah, wet, wet. Ugh. Yeah, and she pulls out so much tree, mm-hmm. like it, like it seems like it's even thicker than she is. Like it must have been sticking <laughs> oh, out. Oh yeah, back it a was sticking. Yeah, sticking out. Yeah, because her back's completely singed, black. Yeah, yeah. They don't tell that part. But uh, she sends it off with a beer can because she had a beer on her in her backpack, uh, and the eagle emblem stays on her. It's kind of badass. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was like the super pedantic part of me of where I was like. If a design is painted on an aluminum can, it does not leave an indentation on you. <laughs> also, they've gone it up. Uh, backwards. Uh, but whatever, who yeah. cares? You know. Uh, but then like, it, the movie offers up. Oh wait, she's still on peyote, and she does the she does the thing where she uh, wakes up. Oh, it's just a night. Uh, she has wakes up. Oh, it's just a nightmare. And they repeat that like three or four times. <laughs> yeah. And it like amps up to the level of just like being super disturbing. <laughs> yeah, it's super disturbing. Her head gets exploded like multiple yeah, they, times. They, we see her get shot in the head multiple times as a fucking nightmare and it's all in the name of like fun (laughs) yeah because the movie is just basically like i i don't know yeah it's the point of the movie is this woman getting to murder these guys right i mean and you know i would say so basically if i had to you know armchair psychoanalyze what's going on with why does this movie exist it seems like the point is about men who are able to cheat on their partners because he's married the main guy and he has kids and um even though he is not the one that does the rape he somehow becomes the villain after the rape and then and then the whole thing is like he's this stone cold sociopath he's a murderer all even the guy who does the rape is is like he's like oh maybe we shouldn't have done all this bad stuff if only you hadn't tried to murder that is a very weird aspect of this it is very weird because the guy who does the rape becomes like the most sympathetic of the bad guys we spend a lot of time with him and he seems kind of like remorseful and he's like very scared. And whereas the other guy is like an invincible badass who just wants to do murder yeah, and it com- completely out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. 
So I feel like it's starting from a place that's saying if a man is able to compartmentalize himself in such a way that he can be on the phone with his wife and ask about his children and then get back in bed with his mistress, like why is he not a sociopath in every other way? And it's kind of an exploration of that Mm -hmm. idea. And uh, I think that more of that guy's deal was he just wanted to get this whole situation over with. Like he even says at one point, like we could just take her to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, maybe he wanted to get caught too. Um, but I think the point of this movie is, uh, uh, so it's very 70s grindhouse aesthetic to it, but I think it's more, and those movies were directed by men and uh, more gratuitous and sexual. This is a movie directed by a female where she didn't even show the actual assault her, her, herself. She shows a weird guy eating candy right, yeah. as it watches. Uh, so I think it's a little bit more, uh, an exploitation movie for a modern era, which is like yeah, a very is, tricky, right? like yeah. a, an impossible thing to pull off, which I like that this movie actually pulled that off. Because it's not to the level of like, um, like Death Proof or yeah. Grindhouse, where yeah, it's, it's like, like a... completely campy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's trying to play it a little straighter than that. Yeah. You know, and like citing Drive as an influence, it's like somewhere between Drive and mm-hmm. Grindhouse, you know, where it's like kind of realistic, but it's also in this very heightened, mm-hmm. like level... everything is super color saturated. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like everybody's the, super hot. Like and... the opening shot of this movie is like a helicopter comes and you can see it through the reflection of his aviators. We're like know. super over the top camp that like even after this all this sexual violence and murder stuff has started happening, there's just helicopter shots of motorcycles driving through the desert, looking like super cool and like Land Rovers like bombing it out through the desert, you know. And it's like, am I supposed to be like, <laughs> you know? I mean, this stuff does look cool, but it seems like a weird place to put this shot, yeah. you know? I don't know if I'll see more of this actress because she was fine at it. Uh, she's just more of like she's Italian. Uh, I know, but she was playing an American, too. Oh, she's doing this American accent that's, yeah. like, fine. Uh, the she's actress's fine. name is uh, Matilda Lutz in a very demanding performance. I read that she does not have a line after minute 26 of the oh, movie. Oh, really? She doesn't say a word after the 26th minute of the movie. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't even realize that. I mean, the whole thing is on her, but then she, like, screams and stuff, but she doesn't, like, have a proper... <laughs> she doesn't no. say anything. Mm-hmm. Which isn't, again, it's, like, kind of the politics of the movie, but then she's, like, you know diegetically in the movie she's alone and oh, she's yeah. being hunted like why would she be talking and who would she be talking to mm-hmm. but you know i don't know she could have given like a speech before she murdered her boyfriend or something but she does she does not no she just has to shoot him she sticks her finger in his wound and grabs his <laughs> wound and shoots him uh such a wild movie um uh yeah it's a very synth heavy score and i thought it was a typo uh when i was reading about it but uh it's hard to google this guy uh, the, the score is done by a guy Mono name uh, Rob. No fucking way. Yeah. One B or two Bs? One B. <laughs> Rob. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. That's too hard. Uh, and I would like to give a little hat tip to uh, Neon. Uh, who you say was owned by? It was owned by. No, well, I don't think it's owned by Nicholas Winding Refn, but don't they he... also distribute his movies? Uh, I have to or look produce into that. his movies. Um, they're, they're just distributor. I used to always call them A24 Light, uh, <laughs> and they've started in 2017 post day 24 so that is kind of mean of me to do uh but they did some really cool stuff they did the bad batch and ingrid goes west uh, they did i tanya uh um, this beach year bum, they, yeah, yeah this year they did amazing grace beach bum and they're doing upcoming they're doing parasite which when it can bon joon hoon movie oh yeah they did neon demon i guess that was oh, their sure. that was their first movie oh, cool. actually so maybe maybe, they, maybe it is owned by that yeah. by him i don't know but they do good work still a 24 light <laughs> 
Oh, no, it's, it's not owned by Nicholas Winter. It's owned by Tom Quinn and Tim League, which is a very weird name. Tom Quinn, Tim League. Tom Quinn, Tim League. Tim League. Um, so, Caleb, do, do you have something else to say about this film? No, I, I could wrap it up and uh, talk about these movies as they relate to each sure. other in a yeah. weird sense. Uh, in the sense that it is uh, movies dealing with assault. Uh where the Nightingale, the sexual assault, is front and center and shown from the violated woman's perspective. It's harrowing. Uh, but the rest of the movie is so much bigger than the act, and it is much more important and epic than your... It's like than, geopolitical, yeah, right? A, like it's as it's much about a, colonialism yeah. as... Uh, like I keep saying, power and truth. Whereas revenge takes the opposite route where the sexual assault is not even shown, and which I think gives kind of power to the rest of the character's story. Uh, and it's more about her being a hero, and these movies in the seventies were always called rape and revenge films. Where this movie just a revenge film then, because like they don't as as show the uh, the rape, they just show the revenge. Uh, and there's the power in there lies in the fantasy, like the over the top gore, uh, which is very fun. But I know you didn't ask me yet, but my actually best choice, <laughs> uh, I would it be with the Nightingale. Uh, as a, I, I just thought it was an extremely powerful movie. Yeah, so, you know, it's a tricky one, these two movies. I mean, I will say from a certain point of view, I don't actually recommend either of them. Like, in all honesty, I don't, uh, because they're both, you know, The Nightingale has so much sexual assault, it's crazy. It's it's very, very uncomfortable. And in, and in The Revenge, it, it's almost back to what people don't like about it, is it's just used as an animating incident to fuel the rest of the movie. It doesn't necessarily take the sexual assault as seriously as it could. I mean, I understand it was written and directed by a woman, and it's, in a certain way, it is, you know, it's an empowering movie where the woman gets to then murder all the people that took advantage of her. But on the other hand, it's like, it uses rape as an inciting incident for an action movie. I mean, that's the thing that everyone says they don't like, right? And that is what happens in this movie. Um, but having said that, I mean, if I had to recommend one of these movies for someone to watch with a gun to my head, as I often say, um, I would have to go with Revenge, like 100%, because it's at least, like, fun, watchable. <laughs> it's at least, like, watchable in the strictest sense of the word, meaning, like, you will not have to stop watching it, you know? And, you know, I've got a soft spot for Winding Refn movies, which this has a lot in common with. I would say it's in very, very influenced by them. I mean, I would say it definitely rises to the level of his recent output. I wouldn't. It's not like as good as Drive, but it's definitely like as good as Too Old to Die Young. Like it's definitely as oh, good I as that. To see that. I don't know, dog. It was rough. This was a rough. This week. is a rough week. It was uh, a rough week, dude. Sometimes you need your you need your 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 little ass kicked. You yeah, need to I definitely get had my up. ass. I definitely had my ass kicked by these you movies. You need to get. Uh, movies aren't sometimes aren't your friends. Yeah, sometimes they are not your friends at all, dog. They're here to yeah. torture who, you. Who needs friends? That's what that show Friends is for. Not me. Uh, anyway, that's the show this week, guys. It was a kind of a somber one, but thanks for hanging out. And, um, next week, we'll do two more movies, I guess. Two weeks from now, we'll do two more. We'll do four more movies. We'll do oh, 18 more Oh, movies. my God. Oh, no. We'll do so many more movies. Oh, my God. Shut up. We have to end the show. Okay, I'll shut up. I love you. Bye. Bye.